Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you, if you would, to go to Luke chapter 5. Luke chapter 5. As you go there, I'm going to ask a question, and then I'm just going to kind of get a little personal, and then I want to show you a couple things I found in the internet. But what's the most extraordinary thing that's ever happened to you? What's the most extraordinary thing you've ever done or have seen? I want you to think about that for a moment because we all have a laundry list of it, right? We just do. We all have those things that we talk about that was just like, that was crazy. Something you might've seen where you're just like, like, like that did not just happen. Or those deep, meaningful things, uh, like something I'll never forget. I have three girls, and yet I've never forgotten the first when Jordan was being born. I I can still see it all play out. Now, you all know I I don't find childbirth to be something that's beautiful, okay? I find it quite messy and disgusting, all right? (laughs) But, but when they wipe the child off and it doesn't look like a booger anymore um, and they put it in your hands, uh, it's like, I, I've never forgotten that. I can still see that moment unfold. It's just crazy. It's just unbelievable. And then Jaden, never forget it. And then Jackson. I mean, I can, I can still see it play out every moment. Watching, thinking, wow, how in the world? Not how quickly did it come about, but God, how do you do this? Like, how do you do this? You get a little fish and a little egg, and this, it's unbelievable to me. Most extraordinary thing, right? How about seeing the Aurora Borealis? for the first time when I was up in Canada going to school. I I remember sitting in the night and I I totally forgot time as I'm watching my skies dance among me and I felt like I could touch it and then it would move and I, I was just blown away. I'd heard about it, I learned about it, but I'd never seen it. And to think about that, it was crazy. How about the sunset on the red rocks of Sedona, Arizona? Anybody been to Sedona? Wow. By the way, this is what's crazy is I took this with my camera. And thinking about, wow, I mean, you don't have to be a photographer when you're down there. Just aim and shoot. God's paintings, you can't make good on those. Wow, right? How about the Grand Canyon? I remember the first time I saw it, to be honest with you, I cried. (laughs) I get a little emotional right now thinking about it. I'm thinking, wow. I mean, they told me there was this crack in the earth and it's quite magnificent. They didn't tell me what this crack, how big it was. And I just stood there in K and I, and I just held my wife's hands and I, I just cried. I couldn't believe what I was seeing. Another was Victoria Falls in Zambia, one of the seven wonders of the world. We're there to do missions and we were in the little town and just outside with the falls. Livingstone 
Zambia. And I think, wow, crazy. And you're guarding your pockets, believe it or not, because little monkeys were running around trying to pickpocket you. That is a true, (laughs) that is a true. And they said, if they get it, you'll never see it again, but they will play with you. They'll get close and kind of dangle it. It's crazy. You know, it's absolutely crazy. Well, I, I, I don't want to, I'm not trying to eulogize this, but extraordinary things happen all the time in our lives. Please don't miss that line. They happen all the time. So I'm just surfing the internet and I saw, saw this. Watch this plane coming in for landing. That is for real. <laughs> I'd been in a little crop duster coming in sideways because of the wind. Never have I been in the plane looking out the side window and seeing what the pilot should be seeing, okay? (laughs) That's extraordinary. But then there's moments where you just get a glimpse that there's something more bigger than ourselves. And I saw this elephant with its baby watch the nearby elephants and how they respond to this. That is amazing to me. That a very instinct, you can even see one in the background that's just pacing back and forth, can do nothing about it. And the one unknown comes along to help to make sure they get the little one out safely. The instincts like that, imagine if we as a church would understand that and react like that in our world today. Doesn't matter what we're doing, where we're at. The moment we hear the cry, that's extraordinary. But it's not extraordinary to God. And that's what I want to get at. Because for me, the most extraordinary thing that I've ever seen is when someone really meets Jesus. It's the most extraordinary thing in all my years of growing up in the church. I've never seen anything like it. Oh, I've seen church people come to an altar and church people return as church people. I've seen people come and say they met Jesus, but nothing changed. And I just have to ask the question, did they really meet him? But I've seen those when they meet Jesus. I've seen marriages flip and turn upside down. In this church, I've seen seven couples who have been divorced get remarried to each other. And we're talking heated divorces and how God softened a heart and put it together. I cannot believe it. I've seen prodigals truly be far away, come home. And God restore and do things that you can't even begin to imagine. Parents who thought they lost a child for life now have more than they ever dreamed or imagined. I've seen it over and over. I've seen with my own eyes at an altar, I watched someone's leg grow because of the laying on hands. I've seen it over and over. The miracles, the unbelievable wonderment of Jesus. There's nothing like it. What's more extraordinary than that? That a lost person is now found. The wayward has now been restored and have been returned. Only Jesus could do that. And that's what the story I want you to see. We've preached this before, but we preached it looking at what Jesus can do. But I want you to see what Jesus does when it touches a life. And I want us to learn from a few guys in this story. Not that we're neglecting Jesus, but because of Jesus, I want you to see what they do. Because I want you to catch this, folks. You and I may see ourselves as ordinary. I'm going to challenge that in a moment. But when you meet Jesus, 
He adds an extra that you and I can't even begin to fathom and your life will never be the same. It's what draws young people onto a stage in front of a room full of adults and sings about the love of Jesus. That's extraordinary to me because that's what Jesus does. Come on, can I get an amen to that? And so I want you to look, if you would, Luke chapter five, Luke chapter five, and I'm gonna begin in the 17th verse. I'm reading from the TNIV, today's new English, or, or excuse me, international version. But Luke 5, beginning in the 17th verse. One day, say that with me. One day. Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. Notice that. Jesus is teaching and they're sitting on the premise. Rather than standing on the promise. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem. And the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Some men, say that with me. Some men, come on, say it with me, some men, notice that, one day, some men, just another day, and just ordinary people. Some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. I want to notice this, that we don't even know if they knew this man. We don't know if this man was a friend. We don't know where they found him. They, we don't have nothing about the relationship. What we do know is that some ordinary guys, just some men, that's all we know, knew who Jesus was or believed what he could do. And they brought a paralyzed man to Jesus. Don't miss that. So some men came carrying a paralyzed man and a man and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up on the roof and they lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. When Jesus saw their faith, he said, notice when Jesus saw their faith, not the paralyzed man, when Jesus saw their faith, notice that again. I think some of the problems in the world isn't because the world's broken, it's because God's people are. So when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. He sees the faith of these four and turns to the guy paralyzed and said, I got you covered. The Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow who speaks blasphemy? Who can forgive sins but God alone? Jesus knew what they were thinking and asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? Which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? Well, it's a whole lot easier to say your sins are forgiven. But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he says to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up. Take your mat. Notice that. Take your mat. Don't leave it. Go home. Immediately he stood up in front of them, took what he'd been lying on and went home praising God. Notice what he did. Everyone was amazed and gave thanks and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen. Come on. We have seen. Ooh. Some of your translation says extraordinary things. Well, isn't that interesting? I want you to notice the passage begins with one day, ordinary day, but it ends saying we've seen remarkable things today. And here's the key, because they met Jesus. 
You and I are just ordinary people. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Tom Cruise or LeBron James. You're just another ordinary person. If you don't know Jesus, is going to hell. Because there's only one extraordinary, and that's called Jesus Christ. And that's what he does. He takes the ordinary and he puts an extra on it that changes everything. Which is kind of interesting because I'm going to ask this question. I would invite you not to declare what you're thinking. But right now, do you see yourself as ordinary or extraordinary? If you see yourself as ordinary, it might be because you've not yet met Jesus. Because when Jesus sees you, if you're a follower of him, he sees extraordinary. And you will live out what you see. If you see yourself as ordinary, then may I invite you to really think about, do I know Jesus? Because you and I are to reflect what he sees, not what you see. Because what you see, you'll tend to believe. That's why he said, open your eyes. See what's going on around you. I'm the Lord of the harvest. He said that with a smile, with a sense of joy. When I look in the mirror, do I see Keith? Or do I see the reflection that God wants me to see? Himself. Because when Jesus looks at me, he sees himself. He sees the extraordinary. Because that's who he is. And that's what he wants me to be. And that's what I want to preach I want to look at these four guys and I want to learn from them of what it means to be extraordinary in a very ordinary world, if you will, because they did something that is just so cool, all because of Jesus. So how do you and I be extraordinary in this very ordinary world, in this very troubled time, in this, if this broken age that we live in, how can we be the light that God called us to be? How can we be the people of God that we need to be? Let's learn from these guys. Is that okay? So if you have your notes, take them out. Come on, was that okay? All right, so let's take out our notes because our world needs us. Our world needs God's people to be extraordinary right now. That's what we're supposed to be. God doesn't need us just being ordinary. God needs us to be who he wants us to be and that's extraordinary. He wants us to be these elephants. He wants us to land planes when the world says it can't happen because my Bible says what's impossible for man is possible for God. It's our job to change this world and allow God to work through us. Come on, church, you gotta get amped up with me. Either that or let's, let's just close our doors and quit playing the dumb game. Because we don't need people driving by and go, no, that's just a church. We're the agents. We're the key. What do we really believe? You want to know something? Right now, we're living out exactly what we believe God can do. So he can't save your kids if you don't believe that he can use you in a mighty way. Because the world is watching us. And the world is witnessing what we're witnessing. What are we going to get about doing? These are ordinary, just some guys but something amazing happens. Here's the first thing. Watch this. We must choose. If we are going to be extraordinary in a very ordinary, broken world, we must choose to be an extraordinary friend. We have to choose this. 
You know, I read about a couple, Doris and Buddy, love it. True story, by the way, I think. Okay, who lived in a farm in rural Missouri. They had eight kids. Now, that, some of the older generation, listen, I was a youth pastor in Gary, Nebraska at one time, and I knew a family, the Valentino family, that had 23 children. Three sets of twins. That is a true story. They went to my youth group. We had a big youth group, okay? All right? <laughs> they had 23 kids. There was 24 of us. Anyway, um, <laughs> it was so easy working with that family because I just had to make one visit, one stop, one house. It was great. But, but I'm not kidding you. 23. I could, I could tell you stories, but we won't get into it, okay? But as she was in the hospital, eight kids, they lived in a farmhouse with three bedrooms, all right? She was in the hospital when they were having her eighth child. Her roommate, because that's when they kind of hung out in the same rooms, asked her, are you Catholic? So she she asked her. I love how she responded. She said, no, we're just passionate Christians. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) I love that. Folks, that's what God's church is supposed to be. Passionate followers of Jesus who are passionate about other people. My question is, is that you? Are you really passionate about your lost neighbors? Are you really passionate about your lost coworkers? Or do you keep coming in a room like this going, oh God, get me a new job where everybody's a Christian. Here's a thought for you. My prayer is this, God, don't get them a new job. Help them understand that they're supposed to be a Christian where people aren't and then be passionate about being extraordinary with them. If you don't like the environment in which you work, then be a light and help them all come to know Jesus. Make it what God wants it to be, not what you want it to be. That's the heart we need to have is, I think our prayer should be this, God, I work in a Christian environment. Would you take me out of that and get me in a place where I can be used of you? That should be the heart. That should be the heart. We need to be extraordinary friends that are extraordinary about telling an ordinary world about Jesus Christ. Look at the passage and behold, verse 18, and behold, some men, some men, this is what Luke wrote, We're bringing on a bed a man who was paralyzed. We don't know, again, if he's a friend or who he is, but they're bringing him to Jesus. Every time I read this story, I'm blown away. I'm blown away about these dudes who are willing to get a paralyzed man. I want to list two things to that, and I'm going to bring Noah to the stage. Two things I want you to write down about this. Talk about sacrifice. That's the first thing. Talk about sacrifice. Put yourself back to 2,000 years ago and think about the day and time which these guys lived and the inconvenience of all of this. We think we're inconvenienced today. Folks, these guys are carrying a paralyzed man on a mat to see Jesus. We don't know where they're coming from, but we know it says all from Galilee and Jerusalem are bringing this guy to Jesus. I don't know how far they went. I just know this. They didn't have a minivan They got but two feet. And if the dude's paralyzed, how do you get him on a pack mule? 
Whatever they did, they had to get them to Jesus. Now remember, they get there and the house is so full, they can't get him to Jesus, which means I'm willing to bet they didn't go, oh, house is full and looked up at the roof. What saddens to me is the barriers. I wonder if they said, pardon me, and people moved closer. Because they weren't there to experience the power of Jesus. They were there hoping that Jesus might get a selfie with them. You know, the Christian that wants the front row at the concert. The Christian who wants the front row in the parking lot. Instead of making the inconvenience, whatever it is, so the unsaved get the best. There must have been something, a commotion going on because something in their brain said they looked at the roof and went, what do you guys think, man? And I don't know how they got the dude on the roof. They didn't have a front loader. I mean, what do you think about this? But, but then think about this. You think they got some looks? Do you think they got some opposition, especially when they decide to cut a hole in somebody else's roof? Here's my question. How far are you willing to go for someone to meet Jesus? How thankful are you that someone introduced you to Jesus? Talk about sacrifice. Here's the second thing. And I'm not, I didn't get this wrong. Walk about selflessness. Talk about sacrifice, but walk about selfless. And I really mean the word walk. These guys didn't talk a good game. They lived it out. They literally walked out selflessness. They were willing to do whatever it took to meet Jesus. In other words, they gave us the two fundamental ingredients, ingredients of what it really means to be a follower of Jesus. They talked about what they wanted to do and they did what they said they would do. You got it. They talked the walk and they walked the talk. They lived it out. Amen. By the way, I think Luke got it wrong. These weren't some guys. These guys were duh guys. Okay. <laughs> All right. Noah. Our second point today, if you're taking notes, we must choose to be an extraordinary force with others. We must choose to be an extraordinary force with others. You know, there's this story that we read in the Gospels uh, where this man comes to Jesus and he says, I brought my boy to your disciples, but they couldn't help him. And the more we read into the story, we realize this man brought his son who was sick. He had actually been possessed by demons and he was having seizures and physical reactions, and I'm not a parent, but I can just imagine the kind of anguish, the hurt he was going through, you know, to see his son suffering, struggling, and he comes to Jesus, and a lot of us would expect Jesus just heals him in that moment, right? But Jesus does what a lot of times what we don't expect, and rather than just healing him in the moment, he does heal this little boy, but he tells him the reason he wasn't healed was actually because of his own unbelief because of the father's unbelief. Now think about that. For us who want our friends, our coworkers to really know and meet Jesus, that our belief, our faith plays a big part in that. So do we really believe? Do we really have that faith? Because I think a lot of times we don't. Um, in our story it says, 
but finding no way to bring him in because of the crowd. And the reality is, we can justify anything as humans. There's always excuses we can make. We can justify the way we think, the way we act, the way we talk. We can always do it. But when we have true faith, when we really care about people, we don't see the crowd. We see the Savior inside of that crowd. We're not caught up in circumstances, but we see hope. We see purpose. We see what God is trying to do. That's what faith is. Let me ask you this question. Have any of you ever wanted to do something? Maybe go out to your favorite restaurant or get on a ride, like a roller coaster or something, and you get there and the line's too big, so you walk away. Has anyone ever been there? Yeah, I know, I, I know I've been there, especially in Sioux Falls. A lot of my favorite restaurants, I feel like I can't even get in anymore. But, but this, in our story, that's exactly what happened. You know, these men come bringing their friend on a mat, and the line was just too big. From a human standpoint, there was no way they could get in. But they didn't see the line. They saw a healer inside, and they knew that their friend needed to meet that healer. So what are we focused on? Do we really see that people need to meet Jesus? Do we really want to help them do that? So not finding a way to bring him in, they went up on the roof and let him down with his bed through the tiles into the midst before Jesus. I want you to look at me. I want to be that church. I want to be that church. I want to be those friends, the people who choose to go the extra mile, the people who are willing to do whatever it takes to be all in for someone, just one person to meet Jesus, people who believe it's worth it, that Jesus is going to change their lives. I want to be that friend. I want us to be that church because that's how we change. That's how Sioux Falls has changed. They're all of us ordinary people where God puts his extra on us and we get to go make a difference. We get to introduce people to Jesus. That's what I want to be. Because if we don't want someone to meet Jesus, then what's our goal? What's a greater goal than for other people, our coworkers, our family to meet Jesus? What's a greater goal? I would argue there isn't one. That's the best thing that we can do is introduce people to Jesus. So I'd ask that we get out of our comfort zones, make that decision. Let's get out of our comfort zones and move into his compassion zone. Because... If you're comfortable, there's no compassion there. Compassion requires us to be uncomfortable, to go the extra mile, to love people, to speak truth when no one else is willing to. So can we do that? Can we, like Pastor Keith said, be willing to take the furthest parking spot to give the best spot to someone else? Or how about listening to tolerating music that maybe isn't your favorite at church for the sake of someone who does really love that? And that's going to be impactful for them. How about being willing to sit with someone you don't know or meet someone who doesn't look, act, talk like you for the sake of them meeting Jesus? Are you willing to serve, to give? Because that's what it's all about. That's the heart of it. Are you willing to get into a home church? You know, we have all these opportunities and there's all these things happening in the life of the church and the reason we want to offer and provide these things, we want a kids ministry, a youth ministry, things going on outside the church. The reason we do that is for you to get to be Jesus so others can meet Jesus. There's always a purpose, so how are you doing that? You know, we have this class coming up. We have the Old Testament class coming up in two weeks. 
And talk about going the extra mile. What if we, do, what if we join that class, you know, trusting that God is going to grow us, God is going to teach us. I'm taking the class. I signed up last week, probably a little later than I should have, but we still have two weeks. I actually think there might be a QR code or we have a way to sign up. There it is. Look at that. But I'd encourage you, check out our class. Because, yes, it's a great opportunity to come together and learn and grow in our own faith, our understanding. But, but what we're ultimately doing is coming together in faith, knowing that the ultimate fruit of us taking this class is going to be more people meeting Jesus. That's why we do it. It's not for our own gain, but for the gain of those around us. And, you know, when we do these things, we serve when we get involved in the youth ministry, I love, I love to hear our youth leaders explain their heart and their story for the youth ministry. When we do those things, we increase our capacity to be used by God. We're putting ourselves in a position for God to use us to impact people, to make a difference, and that's what I want to do. My heart is to make a difference, so how am I learning as much as I can, growing as much as I can? And the last thing I'd want is for my lack of knowing God's word to be that roof that keeps people away from Jesus. And so how are we doing that? How are we positioning ourselves to grow and help people meet Jesus? So our third point, we must choose to be an extraordinary force for others, with others. And our final point, we must choose to have an extraordinary faith for others. We must choose to have an extraordinary faith for others. Because these friends in our story, they really believed that Jesus could change his life. There was no doubt in their minds. I mean, think about it from a human standpoint. They picked this man up on a mat and they walked who knows how many miles, seeing a house that was too full, so they took apart the roof and they lifted him down to Jesus. Do you think they would have done that if there was any doubt that Jesus was going to heal him? I don't think so. I think they had real faith that said, when this man meets Jesus, he will be healed. And is that our heart? When our coworker meets Jesus, they will be healed. They will be changed. That, that needs to be what we're doing. That needs to be our heart. So do you believe it? Do you really believe that if you meet Jesus, if someone you know meets Jesus, that a marriage will be saved? Do you believe that relationships will be restored? That addictions, people will be freed from addictions. Do you really believe that? That he can break every chain? Because we don't want our faith to be the barrier between someone getting healed and meeting Jesus. So do you really believe it? If so, how do you show that you believe it? Are you in the word? Are you in prayer? Are you involved in the life of the church? Because that's what's going to prove it to God, that we really believe it. You know, one of the things I'm grateful for Pastor Keith for is just the way he speaks truth. You know, he's not afraid to say the hard thing, whether that's on a stage or in a conversation. But one of the things he always says to my wife, Jaden, and I is God's hand is all over you. And it took me a while to really own that and learn that. But it's so true. And we all need to hear that. We all need to see that. We all need to see what God has done in us, what he's doing in us. Because for me, it can be easy to get distracted and to forget where I was at. Because before Jesus, I was lost. I mean, I was looking for love, looking for purpose, looking for hope in all the wrong places, and I just ended up getting more hurt 
and pain in my own life. And so I need to be reminded I couldn't help myself. If you know Jesus, you couldn't help yourself. You needed a savior. And to be able to say, God is also continuing to work in me, continuing to change me, continuing to provide for me. Because when we're reminded of that, when we really know what he's done and doing for us is when we believe he can do it for someone else. We need to constantly be reminded of what God has done and is doing in us. The story says, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the man that was paralyzed, I say to you, rise, pick up your bed, and go home. Do we really believe that's what the encounter will be like? That, that when our friends, that when our coworkers meet Jesus, that's what it's going to look like. They're going to walk away a different person. They're going to be healed, restored. Do we really believe it? We've seen it happen. Do we really own that and believe that it can happen again? That we can be the one that introduces them to Jesus? Because if so, then who are you inviting to at the movies? I'm really excited for at the movies this coming fall. And, you know, we're going after lost people. That's our heart. We want lost people to meet Jesus. And this fall we're going to be playing movies and bring, showing the faith that we can find in the films. And so who are you going to invite trusting that they're going to come to church, maybe they'll eat popcorn, have a nice seat and see a fun movie, but ultimately that they're going to meet Jesus? Who are you inviting? Do you have those names already in your head? Who are those people you know that need to know Jesus? That's why we have these balls on either side of the celebration center. Whose name are you writing on those balls? Trusting that you're going to be praying for them. We're going to be praying for them as a church but that you're going to then go and be an answer to that prayer. These names mean something to God. They mean so much to God, more than they could ever mean to us. So how are you doing that? Who is it? Who are you thinking of that you can do that with? Because God doesn't need superstars. That's a misconception. I'm not super. What happens is God needs people who are willing to be a part of what he's doing, and he'll put his super all over them. Acts 4.13 says, When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, like in our story, they were astonished. And they took note that these men had been with Jesus. That's my heart. That's my prayer. Not that I'm fun to these youth students. Not that they'll love me. But that when they see me, that they'll be able to confidently say, that man has been with Jesus. He really knows him not because of me, but because of what God's done, what God is doing in me, and that's what we need. That needs to be our desire, that when people look at us, they see Jesus. They see his hope, they see his healing all in us. I think a lot of people want to be successful. If you'd ask, if we're being honest, I think a lot of us would say we want to be successful, which first of all, I don't even know how to begin to define what that means, but God never called us to be successful. He never called us to be successful. God called us to be willing and available. Willing and available to whatever he's calling, whatever he's asking. That's what we're supposed to do. And that's what he'll use. You know, that's exactly what God told the prophet Isaiah. He said, if you are willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. So our success is about people like these these men, people like Peter, people like John, ordinary people, that's our success. 
who God puts his extra all over. So do you want it? Do you want his extra on you? Have you met him and is that obvious? Because we need to want that. We need to want people to meet Jesus. I love these, I love these men in the story because they had, they had this crazy faith, right? And that's the faith I want, this crazy faith that was willing to do whatever, that was willing to say whatever, that was willing to take down some man's roof knowing who knows what he thinks for the sake of one person's life being changed, just one. It's easy to say, oh, I want thousands and thousands of people to be changed, and I'll serve and I'll give for that sake, but there's nothing worth more than the sake of one person knowing Jesus. Nothing is greater. I want to be those friends. I want to really believe and own that when they meet him that they'll be changed. Because that's what happens when you meet Jesus. Everything changes. Romans 10, 14. I know George read it earlier, but I want to read it again. How can someone call on Jesus to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they have never heard about him? And how will they ever hear about him unless someone tells him? So who do you need to tell? What's that name that comes to your mind? I'd encourage you not to leave without doing something about that. Get those names on one of these balls. Start praying. Start reaching out to them, telling them about Jesus. Because that's what we need. We need to be willing and available for God to use us. Because God's going to see your heart and he's going to bless it. And people will meet Jesus as a result of that. Father, I thank you for the privilege that we get to be in your house and in this room. And Lord, right now, and just as Noah just wrapped this up, who is it that we can go and be extraordinary? Because we serve that extraordinary God that does exceedingly abundantly upon anything we could think or imagine. God, thank you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless.